What's up and welcome to Ask Father Josh, the podcast where I get to hear you out, listen to your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that it is helpful to you in your walk toward eternity. Here's how the show goes if you're a first-time listener. I try to respond to three to five of your questions per episode. These questions can range from Catholic morality, justice, apologetics, church teachings, prayer, spiritual life, relationship advice, pretty much anything. Because the reality is this, is all of our lives, they get pretty messy at times. And when they get messy, there's not always going to be that easy Go to fill in the blank Catholic response. So the purpose of this show is for me to accompany you in your mess, to encounter Jesus, so that we can together hear Jesus invite us to respond in a way that that is uh, conducive to a disciple of Christ, uh, in a way that is best for us and everyone else in our walk toward becoming a saint. Disclaimer that I must always give: I am not perfect. I am a broken priest. Sometimes I may not say enough. Sometimes I might say too much. And so if my advice is helpful to you, then then please receive it. But if it's not helpful, then disregard it. My goal is to speak in union with Christ. My goal is to speak from the heart of the church. But every now and then I might mess up. And if that's the, cl- the case, then I apologize in advance. Hashtag my bad. Uh, but we will clarify it always in future episodes. If you're a first time listener, you can shoot me an email. And give me your feedback on today's episode at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com. You can also shoot me an email and give me some more questions for future shows. We are always reading your questions, reading your comments, reading your critiques, and uh, we will respond to them throughout the season of this show. Uh, Please rate us and review us on iTunes as well. That helps other people discover the show. If it's helpful for you, it could potentially be helpful for them as well. So what are we going to talk about in today's episode? Today we're going to discuss a number of very different things. This is actually an episode I've spent a lot of time praying with. I got these questions a while back and I spent a lot of my time in the chapel praying over these questions because um, specifically one of them just really captured my heart. Um, So we're going to discuss what to do after infidelity and during a divorce. Uh, we're also going to discuss the difference between like, confession and spiritual direction and whether or not we should be bringing our venial sins, which are not mortal, are not deadly sins, to the sacrament. Uh, we're going to discuss those struggles that many of us have with regards to laying down our stuff at the foot of the cross and leaving it there. So often we try to lay it down and we pick it right back up and then we come back with the same stuff. And all right, well, what do I do to, to stop bringing up the same stuff over and over again? And finally, we're going to address... For parents, uh, when disciplining children goes wrong. Do you remember that show? It was like, when keeping it real goes wrong. (laughs) There's such a thing as when disciplining children goes wrong, too. And so we're going to have all those things to talk about in today's episode. I hope you find it helpful. Uh, But before we get into those questions, I want to jump into a glory story. My glory story for this week involves a conversation I recently had with this, this awesome older priest. I was talking to this older priest who is... Uh, retired and and we were just sharing hearts with each other and he he just said something to me that really inspired me he said you know what Josh he said um, my years of retirement have been the best years of my life because since I retired I have spent so much more time with Jesus in prayer and I've come to recognize that prayer is the most important thing that I could have ever done throughout my life and if I could live my priesthood over again I would have prioritized prayer a lot more throughout my day and my schedule on my calendar 
than I than I did, if I'm being honest with myself. But I'm so grateful for all this time that I have to just be with Jesus throughout the day and encounter him as love. And he shared a story with me about St. Catherine Drexel, uh, who who did a lot of missionary work with African Americans and Native Americans and and St. Catherine Drexel, apparently, um, whenever she retired from her ministry, uh, her active ministry, her active apostolate, I guess in her 70s, she said her most fruitful years were whenever she spent those years not doing works out there, but encountering Christ in prayer all day long. The hours upon hours that she just sat at his feet, that she knelt at his feet, that she laid prostrate at his feet listening to his voice. And so it was just super inspiring. It was it was a glorious story because it reminded me the the gift of what prayer is and 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 why we should never let work distract us from prayer. Mother Teresa, she once said that the devil would distract good people with many good things. So the good people who do so many good things, they don't do anything well. Uh, and I think that the enemy always wants to in, invite us to, to do good works because the more good works we do out there in our community, the less time we're going to spend with Jesus in prayer. And I think it's important for us to discern what is the one thing God's calling me to do so that I make sure that I'm able to be with Jesus throughout the day. Mother Teresa also said, if you're too busy to pray, you're too busy. And some of us make up an excuse. Oh, I'm so busy. You know what? Pope John Paul II, he prayed like four hours a day before the Eucharist. So if he's a Pope and could pray for hours, then I'm pretty sure most of us can also pray for at least 30 minutes as St. Francis de Sales invites us to. So glory story was just hearing the joy in this priest's heart as he shared with me the joy of his priesthood, the joy of his relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the glory story for this week. All right, again, we also, we are so grateful for all the comments that you're sending, for all the responses to some of the episodes. Remember, I always invite you to, to share what you think when we talk about different questions, and so we've been getting a lot of those, and I'm going to share with you another comment that we got about Pope Francis. He, that, that's been a popular show. A lot of people are talking about Pope Francis, uh, which is a good thing, because we should always pray for our Holy Father. He is the successor of Peter. Um, and also, we're going to talk about the rosary, the follow-up about the rosary from episode two, I believe. Um, our episode on Pope Francis, um, remember, just to clarify, right, because we, we want to be, be as clear as possible. When Pope Francis is speaking on an airplane, he is not speaking magisterially at all. Uh, he is simply just sharing his personal comments. However, when he is speaking in documents, that some consider to be controversial, like for instance, let's just go there and just say it, Amoris Leticia, which is funny, um, that that name reminds me of, of a girl I used to date back in the day. And so <laughs> I, I really did. So every time I, I see the document, it, it reminds me of her. So I guess I should pray Hail Mary for every time I see the document's name. But that is a story that is neither important today, tomorrow, or yesterday. So we're not even going to talk any more about that. I have digressed. Again, when Pope Francis is speaking and in those kind of documents, he is speaking magisterially. And although he is not speaking infallibly, right? As in, we as Catholics should still pay attention to the documents that he officially releases because he is still the successor of St. Peter. And we should approach his documents with what is called religious submission of intellect and will. The point is this. It's not just about him speaking infallibly or not speaking infallible. There's a problem with some people thinking that they can just totally disregard Pope Francis and the magisterium anytime they are not speaking infallibly, which is like 99% of the time. This is not isolated to Pope Francis. People do this with Pope Benedict. But people who maybe lean a little bit more to the left when Pope Benedict would say things, they would say, oh, I don't want to listen to Pope Benedict. No, you really should still listen to him, right? He's still speaking magisterially. Same thing happened with St. John Paul the Great. 
and whether it's infallible or not is not what's important. Is that the reality is this is that he's he's trying to like be a shepherd to us. And so I just want to encourage you to to read Pope Francis homilies, to to check out his apostolic letters, and and understand that they are magisterial still, and try to see the truth that is in there, and allow yourself to be formed. Don't don't read what the blogs have to say, but like go straight to the source. Go to his homilies. Go to um, his documents, pray with them, and in disregard focusing on his off-handed comments. Uh, disregard focusing on people's blogs. That's not important for us in our walk toward becoming saints. Also, a comment from episode two that came in recently. I'm just going to go ahead and read the comment because it was super good. Uh, it's from Yes, like literally. I think her name is Yes. Uh, kind of like, yeah, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Yes. <laughs> or Yaz. I can't tell. So I apologize if I'm not saying your name right. But Yaz says with regards to the, the, the rosary, she says this, approach the rosary in this way, because this is how it helped me to pray the rosary. Uh, when you get to the name Jesus in the Hail Mary as a speed bump, use it as that. As slow down. As you get to this part, sit with his glorious name for a while and then go back to the rest of the Hail Mary. And when I slow down to the Jesus speed bumps, I try to add a little narrative about the mystery I am on. For example, if I'm on one of the sorrowful mysteries, I will usually add Jesus whose blood was shed for me. So it goes something like this. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus, who was mocked and humiliated. Break. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. She says, I don't always have a specific one that I say, so I just allow the Holy Spirit to lead me to a certain image. And she says, I try to find different reflections for every mystery. Remember, the mysteries are the scenes from the life of Jesus and the Gospels for the rosary. And so I just type in rosary reflections into Google, and I find something. These help me to focus more on each mystery before the Our Father to start off the decade. Hope this helps. Sincerely, Yes, yes, yes. Sorry, I'm having too much fun with you. That's, I just, I'm sorry. I apologize. I'm not trying to defend you. I, I do really like your name. Yes, I love it. I love it. I love it. All right, so that is our follow-up questions. That's my glory story. And now let's go ahead and jump into today's questions. We're going to just go into the most difficult one in the beginning. What do we do after infidelity and during a divorce? So this is what... Alyssa wrote, Alyssa wrote, my husband and I have been together going on eight years, been married um, civilly and also in the church after that. We were both raised Catholic. However, I've always been more active than he was. We have a three-year-old son. And in January, he confessed to me that he's been unfaithful and had at least eight different affairs, one with a prostitute and then falling in love with one of the other women he had an affair with. I'm broken. I have forgiven him, and I prayed and even begged him to work things out. He wants and has filed for divorce. I'm lost. How do I not lose hope during this time? I know God does not punish, but I'm feeling like maybe because I made my husband and my marriage my idol, so to say that I'm having difficulties discerning what God is calling me to do. Um, so, Alyssa, God bless you. Really, seriously, I... um. My heart is with you. I have been interceding for you uh, the past week because I've been pondering over your question for a long time. I, I just I didn't know how to. I, I want to reverence you, so I, I didn't want to just answer your question too quickly. So I've been praying with it um, for a while now, 
And clearly you're right. You know, God does not punish us. So even if you made your marriage an idol, like God's not going to, he's not going to punish you in this way by causing your husband to sin. The Lord allows us, he permits evil to happen. What your husband did is wrong, it's evil, um, but he has free will because God loves us. He He has to allow us to do either that which is best or you know that which is not what's good for us. So God is certainly not punishing you. I just want to clear that up right now. You are not being punished. Um, the The image that I kept getting over and over again as I was praying for you, Alyssa, was St. Paul. Whenever he, he wrote in the New Testament, he said, I, I felt like I had a thorn on my side. A thorn on my side, and I begged the Lord three times, remove this thorn. And Jesus said, my grace is sufficient. My grace is enough for you. And just as I was praying for you, Alyssa, the image I kept getting was of you just crying out over and over again, right? Lord, save my marriage. Lord, do something. Save my husband. Lord, do something. And um, and the thorn is still there. The thorn is still there, Alyssa. And I can just perceive Jesus saying to you, Alyssa, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is enough for you. I love you. My grace is there for you. I pray that you can receive his grace right now, Alyssa, really, um, because the pain you're going through, of this betrayal, this abandonment is so real. And Jesus Christ is with you. He is so with you. He understands it more than anyone else ever, ever could understand this because he was betrayed and rejected and abandoned by those whom he shared everything with as well. Just as you shared everything with your husband, Jesus Christ shared everything with his bride, the church, and he experienced that rejection. And so he knows what you're going through. And so he's with you right now. Even if you can't see him or feel him, he is there with you. And the invitation is for you to take your eyes off of the, the mess and refocus your eyes onto Jesus. And no peace is going to come from, from dwelling on, on the mess. The peace is going to come from focusing on Jesus who knows your pain, who gets it. So I want to invite you right now, listen, to just focus your eyes on Jesus so that you can see him and you can hear his voice speak to you about how much he's hurting with you and how much he desires to console you and to fill you with his grace, to fill you with his grace that is so sufficient. Whenever we look at Jesus, I think we open up ourselves to hear his voice and hear him call us to what he wants us to do right now. And there's that corny saying, what would Jesus do? I don't buy into that. It's what is Jesus doing right now in and through you, Alyssa? What is he calling you to do? How does he want to live his life in you right now? We know what he's calling us to do by focusing on his face. And the place that we focus on his face the most clearly is in the Gospels and the Scriptures. How did Jesus respond whenever he was betrayed, when he was abandoned? How did he respond whenever he was mocked? How did he respond when he was taken advantage of? How does he respond now? The same way he responded then. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. And I know you've already forgiven your husband, but to continue to pray that prayer with Jesus, right? To, to pray that prayer over him, Father, forgive him. Make him a saint, Lord. Make him a saint. Whether that's a saint with me or without me, make him a saint. Um, Jesus, when he saw the disciples after they hurt him, he said, peace be with you. To be able to invite Jesus to pray those words, peace be with you, peace be with you, over and over again. Um, my sister, you're not alone, and Jesus is with you. 
and Jesus wants to redeem this wound that you're experiencing right now, the wound is going to be there, though. The scar is going to be there. Just like when he was crucified, the scars were there when he resurrected. The wound's going to be there. But the Lord could bring something beautiful out of this wound for you and for your for your three-year-old son and for your husband. If you just continue to reorient your attention and your gaze to his face. Sometimes our greatest experience of sufferings at the hands of others can become our greatest gift for the church. So I, w- I really want to encourage you to not only focus on Jesus, but focus on um, getting involved in some kind of support group with other uh, disciples who have gone through this experience as well. Just being with other people in community can be so life-giving. So if your parish community might have something for you, then I would encourage you to join that. And if not, I would encourage you to uh, potentially ask your pastor if he can work with you or if someone in the parish can work with you in forming a group to to minister uh, to and to be ministered to um, during this this season that you're in right now. Again, Jesus Christ, his grace is with you right now. His grace is sufficient. So just keep running to him and bringing him all, all, all that is heavy on your heart and let him love you. Let him give you the grace and he will give you the grace to to imitate him in your response. And this goes for all of us, right? Uh, we're always called to look at Jesus and he will teach us how to respond to each moment that we go through in our life. So Alyssa, our prayers are with you. And for everyone who's listening right now, I really really like to encourage you and invite you to spend some time interceding for Alyssa and, and specifically for her husband to have a conversion. Her husband needs to have a conversion. So let's all be intentional and maybe offer up our masses, our rosaries, our intercessory prayer for him, um, for his sanctification. Okay, that's our, our first question. Our, our next question is about confessing venial Venial sins. So this is what Melissa says. Melissa writes, I don't know quite what to say when going into confession. Not sure if I'm supposed to list my sins like a grocery list or treat it more like a counseling visit where I focus on an issue and seek guidance. Also, if every week you're fully involved in mass and you're already being forgiven of venial sins, do you only go to confession if you commit a mortal sin? I feel like I'm wasting the priest's time. That could be spent with someone else. Thanks in advance for your help. All right. So, yeah. Well, great, great question, Melissa. So confession is definitely not a time for for um, spiritual direction necessarily um, or pastor counseling. I would say we need to make distinctions to reverence the sacrament for what it is. The sacrament is about confessing your sins, receiving the mercy of Christ, doing your penance, and being strengthened um, by God's grace um, with some counsel in your walk toward eternity. But we might not always have time in a confessional to like go super deep. So I would always encourage you to, if you want to like go deep and with regards to like one particular vice that you're struggling with and how to find a virtue that opposes that vice and, and to, to discern uh, what are the triggers for that vice, that, that's more pastoral counseling. That's more spiritual direction. I would say reserve that for outside of the sacrament. Uh, so what about venial sins, though? Are you wasting our time by coming with venial sins? No. I go to confession, Melissa, check this out, once a week. And um, I'm happy to say when I go to confession once a week, I'm not really confessing mortal sins. So uh, if that were the case, then, all right, it would be, it'll be a whole other issue. Uh, so no, so I would say whether you're confessing mortal sins or venial sins, it's always good to go to confession. Certainly anytime we commit a mortal sin, which involves three things, grave matter, full knowledge, and the freedom to do so, whatever that which you did was, uh, always go to confession for sure, right? Because it's a deadly sin. This is scriptural. In, in, in the scriptures, First John writes, there are some sins that are deadly and some sins are not deadly. Deadly means mortal, right? 
So it's biblical. Some people say all sins are equal. No, all sins are clearly not equal according to the scriptures. But whenever we do commit those venial sins, and this is what Pope Pius XII has to say, uh, and his wisdom still is important for us to read today. In 1943, Pope Pius XII wrote, As you well know, Venerable brethren, it is true that venial sins may be expiated in many ways that are to be highly commended. But to ensure more rapid progress day by day in the path of virtue, we will we will that the pious practice of frequent confession, which was introduced into the church by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, should be earnestly advocated. By it, genuine self-knowledge is increased. Check that out. Christian humility grows. Bad habits are corrected. Spiritual neglect and timidity are resisted. The conscience is purified. The will is strengthened. Self-control is attained and grace is increased in virtue of the sacrament itself. Do you see all those reasons why it's good to go to confession, even if it's venial sins, even if it's not deadly sins? Because we all need to grow in humility. We all need to grow in self-knowledge. We all have bad habits or little imperfections that can be corrected. We all need to have our conscience purified. Our wills need to be strengthened because on this side of heaven, we're not there yet. Grace is increased. So the confession of venial sins is certainly being strongly encouraged by Pope Pius XII, uh, but it's also strongly encouraged in the Catechism of the Catholic Church in paragraph 1458. So I would encourage you, whether or not it's mortal, uh, definitely if it's mortal, always, but even if it's just venial, bring it to the sacrament. Bring it to the sacrament for all those reasons that Pope Pius recommends. So I hope that's helpful to you in your relationship with Jesus. All right, so that's our first two questions. We have two more questions coming up next, but we're about to take a quick break. Don't forget to uh, send me your questions and comments on what we just talked about, on confession, on things to do whenever we experience the pain and suffering of infidelity uh, at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com and to keep Alyssa in your prayers as she continues to walk with the Lord in this season of her life as well as her husband. Uh, Keep him in your prayers. Also, shoot me all the information at Ascension Press. No, wait. No, that's not it. Shoot me all the information at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com. There we go. We got it. I'll be back after the break. If you're looking for a way to learn more about your Catholic faith, I invite you to check out the Ascension Presents YouTube channel. You're going to find tons of free videos featuring Catholic presenters like Matt Frad, Leah Darrow, Jackie Bobby Angel, and Emily Wilson. Go to youtube.com slash Ascension Presents. That's youtube.com slash Ascension Presents. And if you like what you see, please share and subscribe. And we're back. Just a quick reminder, you can send your questions to me at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com. If you are feeling fancy, record a voice note, send that to me as well, and we can play it on the show. Also, please don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. That helps other people find out about the show. Okay, on to our last two questions. The next question is about laying down our problems. This question comes from Paul. I'm having difficulty laying my problems at the feet of our Lord because we should only be giving our Lord the best of us. Aren't I right? So, Paul, great question. Here's the deal. God wants all of us. He's like John Legend. All of me love all of you. So if I don't know the lyrics of the song, I say, mashed potatoes, mashed potatoes, mashed potatoes, mashed potatoes. Because, baby. All of me loves all of you. So 
Jesus loves all of us. He wants all of us. He gives all of himself to us. So bring him everything, brother. Bring him everything. If you're having problems laying your stuff down at the feet of our Lord, um, like, okay, bring him that struggle. Lord, I want to lay it down and I want to give you my best, but right now I'm in a place where I can't. So bring that struggle to him. Uh, God wants everything. What's a practical way you can do this? Something that I like to practice is I look at Jesus on the cross, Jesus Christ crucified, where he completely exposed everything to us. Right? He was totally naked on the cross. He gave everything, his blood, his water flowed out of his body. He didn't hold back anything. And so when I go into prayer, I will begin by saying, God, here's all my stuff. There's, a, again, a form of prayer that can be helpful. Um, acknowledge my thoughts, feelings, desires, struggles, whatever. Relate them to God. All right. And giving him right there. I right, God, here's all my stuff. I'm laying it all out. I'm really struggling today with this. Um, I, I don't feel your presence. I'm doubting. Whatever it might be, I'm still holding on to this wound that happened to me whenever I was a kid. Like Whatever it might be, bring it there and give it to him. But just like whenever we go to a doctor, we don't then tell the doctor like how to, how to heal us. So I go to the doctor and I acknowledge I'm in pain right here. I show him where I'm hurting. And after I acknowledge it and relate it to the doctor... I let the doctor do his thing on me. And I don't tell him, okay, now you have to do this. And I don't have to look at him. Like if he has to do surgery on me, then he's going to do surgery. And I'm not aware of what he's doing. I just trust he's doing something because I'm showing up to the doctor's office. That's what prayer is like. We open all of our stuff to God and we expose it. We expose your struggles and then focus on him now. Don't focus on yourself anymore. Don't navel gaze. Nothing good comes from navel gazing. When we navel gaze, we only allow ourselves to have more problems. Is our stuff real? The problems that we go through, yes, and I want to reverence all that stuff, right? But the sun, as a speaker said at a Steubenville conference a while back, the sun is also real. And if I look at the sun, I'm going to hurt myself. If I if I focus on my stuff during prayer, I'm not going to leave um, experiencing the 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 healing that Christ has in store for me. But if I focus on Christ the whole time, focus on Jesus Christ crucified, and allow Him to focus on me. Oh, now I can experience healing because healing happens at the foot of the cross. So I want to invite you, Paul, to give the Lord your best, which is focus on him. Give him your stuff and then let him love you and trust that even if you don't know what he's doing, if you can't feel it, if you can't see it, he's doing something. It's like going to the beach. You can't go to the beach without getting a suntan if you stay out there for 10 hours. You can't go into prayer and focus on Jesus without Jesus doing something, whether he allows you to see it or not. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the meek. That's Maybe that's something for you to pray with, Paul. I want to invite you to and encourage you to pray with blessed are the meek. Because the meek don't know what the heck is going on. <laughs> we don't, but we know that we're going to prayer and God's doing something. So just focus on him and let him do his thing with you. Hopefully that's helpful. If you have any advice for Paul, hit me up at AskFatherJoshAtAscensionPress.com with your comments or your critiques, your advice, whatever. On to our final question for today's show. This is from Ben. Ben Hamin uh, is yelling at my children wrath. <laughs> I know a lot of parents struggle with this. What can I do to become less angry? What can I do to become less angry? All right, that's that's a great question. Um, yeah, so so Ben and every other parent that's listening right now, here is my advice for you as a spiritual father, right? Clearly, I don't have biological babies running around, but I have a lot of spiritual children who act up every now and then. So is yelling at my children wrath? Not necessarily. It could become wrath if you lose your control and reason and desire revenge on them for their actions. Yeah, that's certainly a possibility. It's potential to be wrath. But 
Not necessarily. I don't know your, your case. I don't know how you yell at your children. Remember, Jesus Christ, he experienced anger in the scriptures. He was justly angry with people when he found them doing things they should not be doing at the temple. Rightfully so. He was really angry and it was warranted. Anger can be a good thing. If you have to make a point, sometimes we express that anger to people like you're doing that, which is wrong. There is such a thing as just anger. In fact, if we don't get angry about certain things, I think that's a problem. Like whenever um, if I see someone drop kicking my grandma and like doing a wrestling move on her, I'm justly going to express anger, whether that's yelling at the person or um, giving them my fist uh, to protect grandma, of course, right? because anger can be just. We, we should respond to certain situations, certain evils with, with anger. If we don't feel anger at certain evils, then that might be a problem within our own conscience. And so anger uh, is not always a bad thing. It's an emotion. We don't have control of our emotions, but we can control that which we do with our emotions. Ben, we are Christians. To be a Christian means to be a disciple of Jesus. To be a disciple of Jesus means to imitate Jesus, which means we're called to imitate him. Whenever people acted against him, how did Jesus respond? Again, Jesus responded with peace, with forgiveness, with praying for them. Um, and so, so we have to be invited to respond in the same way. Practice what James teaches in the scriptures. In James chapter 1, verse 19 through 20, he says, Let every man which means you've been, be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. So practically, be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. So start practicing fasting. This is what I would encourage you to do. Practice fasting uh, twice a week, every Wednesday and Friday, from something that gives you pleasure. Fast from food, fast from salt and pepper on your food, fast from hot showers, fast from sleeping in your bed, fast from your alarm clock, um, hitting your snooze button, when you wake up, fast from music in the car, fast from something that gives you pleasure so that you can train yourself to deny yourself that which gives you pleasure. It gives us pleasure to sometimes respond quickly whenever people are doing that which is wrong. And if you fast on a normative basis, then you will be able to deny yourself the pleasure that you get from responding super quick. And what you can do is you can say this, kids, I'm disappointed in you. Go to your room right now. You can even yell that if you want. I'm disappointed in you. Go to your room. And give yourself time to calm down. So now you've separated yourself from the offense. Go pray a rosary. Go pray a litany of gratitude. Go pray the scripture where Jesus tells Saul that he was persecuting him. Remember when Saul was persecuting Christians, Jesus says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Because Jesus identifies himself with his body. Then uh, if your kids are baptized, they are the body of Jesus Christ. And Christ does not want to be hurt. He wants to be reverenced. And so we discipline our kids, but with reverence to whose body they belong to, the body of Jesus Christ. And we can only do that if we deny ourselves the pleasure of immediately responding, all right, immediately giving that two cents. Um, and also apply that to that practice of not immediately responding to your life in general. So like if you're at work and someone says something you disagree with, don't respond immediately. Start practicing, practicing avoiding the near occasion of saying what you want to say and then respond 10 minutes later so that you can apply that to your, your disciplining of your children. Uh, and that might help as well. And finally, uh, another prayer that might be helpful for you and for other parents is the litany of gratitude. Uh, to pray a litany of gratitude, which is 10 Hail Marys, and after each Hail Mary, name something you're very grateful to God for about your children. And that can kind of help you not potentially be so so angry whenever you 
confront them. But remember, if they're doing something wrong, anger can be a just, a just emotion that we need to to show our kids like this is serious what you're doing. Like, calm down. So that's that. I, I hope that that was helpful. Let me know. Maybe there's a lot of parents out there who have some other tips and tools that Ben can use in his experience of disciplining his kids. So that's pretty much our show for today. Let's uh, think about some universal points that can be taken from all of our questions with regards to, to how do I respond whenever I'm going through some serious pain or suffering like infidelity and divorce. Always imitate Jesus. Respond with the heart of Christ. How did Christ respond when he was betrayed? How did Christ respond when he was abandoned? How did Christ respond when he was rejected, whenever he was mocked? Uh, and however he responded in the scriptures to his situations in life is the invitation for me to respond as well. Uh, the universal point that we can draw from uh, confession and whether or not we should bring even our venial sins to the sacrament is, yeah, just do it. Go. Right? We should definitely be going to confession um, as often as possible. Right. I mean, we don't want to be scrupulous with the sacrament and, and, and take advantage of it in a negative way, but we should certainly be taking advantage of that grace that God has in store for us that can help us become become saints in our walk with with Jesus. If we struggle with laying things down, uh, focus on Jesus during prayer and don't focus on ourselves. We don't want to do an hour of prayer where we uh, we're idolizing ourselves. We want to do an hour of prayer where we focus on Jesus's face. And and finally, with regards to disciplining our children, uh, fast. Incorporate fasting back into your life so that you can imitate James' writings and be slow to respond and, and, and quick to hear the voice of God tell you how to discipline them, uh, which could involve yelling, which is potentially fine if it's not yelling with curse words. Uh, and that pretty much brings us to today's show. Again, don't forget to hit me up at AskFatherJosh at AscensionPress.com with your comments, with your questions, with your critiques. Again, I'm not perfect. I can say things that might not be best. So I'm down with being corrected. I'm down with being purified because we all need to be reformed on this side of heaven in our walk toward eternity. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Man, Lord, Lord, we give you thanks and praise for the gift of the sacred scriptures, for the word of God, and the ways in which the word of God can order our steps, order our path toward heaven. Give us the grace to be consistent with our time spent with your word inscribed so that it may um, completely not only inform us, uh, but, but transform us, transform us into living images of, of Jesus and our walk toward you, Father. Fill us with your spirit and guide us in our way. We ask this prayer, Heavenly Father, through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. So God bless. I cannot wait to be with you again next week. Deuces.